you know, it, there is that thing that the, it's very Brit dominated here, and it's not. We are just one of a huge number of, of different nationalities in, involved in this market. Okay, so here we are, um, Alfredo, thanks for, for joining me on my terrace of my new home in Montemayor, and we're sort of coming to the end of a strange old year, aren't we? Yeah, we started off a little bit uncertain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I gotta say though, you've pretty much nailed your forecast so far. You did say <laughs> quarter three, mid quarter three, and quarter four. Yeah. things will be moving nicely yeah. when the skies reopened. Uh, yeah. That was a term that you used. You forecasted that the that we would first see the normal buyers come back, minus the Brits because of the travel restrictions, mm. and then and then see a delayed reaction quarter four sort of thing for yeah. the Brits, which yeah. is exactly what's which happened. Is what's happened? Yeah. So the question now is to get your crystal ball out and thinking, okay, what's uh, quarter one of 2022 Oof. and next year hold? Do you know, the interesting thing is, before I answer that, because I'm thinking of the answer, is um, the Brits are always late to the party, aren't they? You know, whenever there's been kind of movement in the market in the past, the Brits have kind of been behind the market. And we are noticing that now. Yes, they're coming here in, in significant numbers because they, they can, and there's this pent-up demand of... of of British people who still want to be here and move here and holiday here, but they're kind of behind the market. They're still expecting there to be bargains because the Daily Mail told the told them there were in 1998 or something. You know what I mean? It's kind of things have moved on. There's other nationalities in the frame, and I think I'm British, and I I sometimes think we're the only ones in the world. But actually, there's been plenty of buyers from all over the place. Particularly this year, there's been I think the main nationalities for us have been Belgians, Swedes. Dutch, Germans, French, but actually it's been geographically scattered. There's been like hundreds of nations involved. So the Brits are expecting there to be you know, lots of things left for them. And actually, it's, I think I mentioned it in one video earlier this year, it's a bit like turning up at a, at a party and all the food's gone. And there's just a few, a few sort of scratchy mince pies left in the corner or something. Yeah, I think the thing is that that comes with, with a bit of history because before, before the recession in 2008 mm. sort of time mm. in Spain sales to uh, foreigners out of those for every hundred properties sold to a foreigner 30 roughly mm. were to a British yeah. so they were represented a third of the foreign buyer market lately it's about nine percent yeah which is incredible because I know you've done a lot of research for, for a company that um, that you work with ab about this very thing, haven't you? And I saw the I saw the results of that research. Wow! I mean, firstly, it was a great body of work, by the way. But but secondly, you know, it, there is that thing that the it's very Brit dominated here, and it's not. We are just one of a huge number of, of different nationalities in, involved in this market. But I think we still think, oh, the Brits lead the way. You know, without the Brits, the market's doomed. And nah, it's it's just not like that at all. I think when you look at the at when the dips in terms of how much what percentage of the property market here was being bought by the Brits, it really uh, correlates the drop to when Brexit was announced in 2016 yeah. or the vote. Yeah. yeah. In 2016 is when you saw the drop from being a third of the market to being. 20-ish, 15%. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's gradually just gone down and down and down until now, across Spain, the Germans, this last quarter, overtook the Brits for that's, the first time. That's amazing. And also, you look at the, the agents that are working here, and it, it is a multinational agent community, isn't it? There's lots of Scandinavian agents who are doing great business. All these things go in waves, don't they? You know, one year it's popular with certain nationalities, other years it's not. 
the, the, th the interesting thing about sort of what might happen next year is obviously everyone's got their eye on the exchange rate for the Brits at the moment. It has, you know, the pound has um, strengthened in the last few weeks and it's now up to, I think yesterday was 119 against the euro. And there's always been that um, sort of magic number of 120 when the Brits are in the market, you know, because they, they're getting more bang for their buck. And, you know, it is important because if you're, if you're buying a property here in Spain and the exchange rate is 120, that's a hell of a lot more than if it's 110. It's, it's a 10% swing, more or less. And that's, that's a lot. When I, when I moved here in 2008, it was uh, like 140. Yeah, yeah. So you got a lot more bang for your bank. Yeah, a lot more, right a lot more. But it, it has gone down to sort of 1.02 or, you know, near parity. So the fact that it's go edging back up to, to 120, certainly the, the UK clients that we've spoken to recently, they've all been very keen to sort of find out about that and, and, and look at that. I mean, obviously, I know we're touching on the, the British market generally, but it is one of the main, the main markets here. And I think that we obviously still have the Brexit hangover, particularly with the 90-day saga. You know, how often can you come and use the property? And I think until that is resolved, there's going to be a little bit of caution with the Brits, particularly at the, the level under €500,000. Because obviously, if you're investing... Uh, above 500,000 euros in terms of a cash investment in, in property here, then you're entitled to a golden visa, which gives you pretty much free reign, free rights of passage throughout the EU. But below that, then you're going to be restricted to a 90-day stay in any 180 days, which is a pain, to be honest with you. And there's even online, calc you know, online calculators now to work out how many days you've had and what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. I still think, and I said this sort of just after Brexit, I still think that the governments of these two countries are going to get their heads together and work this out because there's just too much at stake. And, and you know, I think the reason there hasn't been movement on that is purely because the pandemic came along and just took over the world and, and everything else was off the table, really. I still remember uh, your interview with the lawyer mm. Manzanares mm. in January this year, yeah. so almost a year ago, yeah. where he said that they cannot believe that it would ever get to the stage where Britain would leave the EU and there would be no agreement, no plan, mm. no nothing mm. with Spain, considering how important the Brits are to Spain. Yeah. And that the same rules pretty much apply to somebody from Birmingham or to somebody from Bolivia. I know, it's, it's That's quite crazy. But the thing I think a lot of other, the agents over here are forgetting is that the same applies whether you're buying here or whether you're buying in France yeah. or anywhere else. So yeah. there is parity in the confusion. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. you're not necessarily going to, in a rush, decide to, you know, somebody from Rochdale, is it going to decide to buy in Sheffield instead yeah. of the Costa del Sol? No, so so it's just a case. That's, that's it's, it's, it's a pain, but it's something that has answers yeah. and that will get resolved. Yeah. I think you know there's always three ways of looking at the market. First way is the amount of inquiries, and our inquiry level is pretty consistently high. We're not noticing any great sort of dips or, 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 or peaks or anything like that. It's just, you know, there's a lot of interest out there. Then it's obviously the second wave of that is getting feet on the ground and converting those leads into appointments. That has kind of changed over the last 18 months because people have become used to virtual viewings. They don't necessarily have to be here to see what they want to see. We can we can do a video. We can we can you know put things to music. We can make it a stage production. Really, <laughs> there's all sorts of, of wonderful things we can do now. And what we're finding because of that is that the people who actually do get here, who make the effort to come here, they're almost at a, a second viewing stage because they've had the maybe a couple of first viewings via video link or virtual viewing. So when they get here, they're much further down the sales process. 
And then the third measurement, if you like, of, of the market is really obviously converting that interest into, into sales. And I've always said that, you know, having a, a second home in Spain is, is something that most people would like to have. It's a real, you know, it, it's a, something that people dream of, but not everyone needs it. In fact, very few people need it. So it's, it's a luxury purchase. And when times are good, people make luxury purchases. And when times are bad, it's the first thing to go, which is why sometimes you can see these dips in the, in, in, in the market. But I, I think looking at the sort of overall picture of lifestyle and people's mental kind of things at the moment with regards to the pandemic and how their lives have changed and how it's got them thinking about the importance of family time and home time and leisure time and working from home and all those different things that people can do now. I think the principle remains that why work from a, 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 a tiny little place in Manchester or wherever or Mansfield and, or when you can work from a, you know, a place in Spain where the sun is shining for over 300 days a year the temperature is very kind. You haven't got to scrape your ice off your window in the middle of uh, the middle of November. I mean, we're we're in uh, late November right yeah. now. Yeah, we are, and it's a clear day, blue yeah. sky. Yeah, and uh, we're lucky. We 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 are lucky, and do you know what? Whenever I go back to the UK, a I don't feel welcome anymore. It, it appears it feels like an alien country to me now. And I can never, I can never wait to get back. You know, here I just think think life is is better. Look, life is not perfect anywhere. I'm a firm believer in that. But I would much rather be here. And I think this this COVID thing and the fact that people now are um, much more flexible on their working arrangements, I think it's made a lot of people think. And certainly at the high end of the market, which has been wiped out in the last 18 months, at the high end of the market, you know, the movers and shakers in Europe, particularly in Northern Europe, have decided, bah, you know. I'm buying a villa in Marbella and I'm going to move the family down or I'm going to spend more time there. I'm going to set myself up in a lovely working environment in the, in, in, in the home and do my, do my business from there. I've noticed uh, what seems to be a small trend of these sort of individuals rather than having their business and their families in, say, their house in Sweden yep. and having a holiday home here where they come for their breaks mm. is almost trying, their, trying to move the family here and they commute back to their yeah. office yeah. in Sweden exactly. or wherever exactly as needed. Right. Exactly yeah. right. What what I'm seeing is actually, you know, them keeping the summer house in in Sweden and maybe by the lakes or wherever it might be, but effectively trading down in in their home country, moving the family over here, and like you say, the the main breadwinner commutes back to to Sweden maybe once a month, once a quarter, whatever's needed. But so much can be done. We were talking about it earlier. So much can be done now via Zoom and Teams and God knows what. And I think bosses are becoming more trusting of their employees, aren't they, about them working in, in remote locations. And the world is changing. And, you know, I, th I think, I don't know if it's changing for the better, who, who knows, but it's, a, it's an evolution of, of what we're doing and where we are. And I think it's becoming more important for people to, to have a space that they can live and work in, that they feel comfortable in, the whole family, they can get a good education, they can be somewhere that's safe. And this place is safe. Okay, it's, you know, there's always stories about different things, but really it's, it's, it's a safe place to be. It's a fantastic place to bring up kids. It's a place where you can grow old and still misbehave. And I don't know, it's just got a soul to it that, that certainly Northern Europe or the places that I've seen in Northern Europe can't, can't offer. So, okay, so let's get your crystal ball out. That's oh, a quarter one yeah. of 2022. Yeah. Business in terms of uh, activity in the real estate market over here yeah. in the in, my, in the Marbella area, 
do you see it continuing along a fairly steady line of what we've been seeing? Or do you feel it's going to change, go up, go down? What do you, what do you anticipate? Okay, I, I think it's going to be quite steady. There's always a little drop off December, January because Christmas gets in the way. And particularly for people with big budgets, they've got other things on the go. It's not just buying a property in Spain. They might be buying a yacht or they might be buying a helicopter, I don't know. But they also have family to consider. They have Christmas to consider, getting the kids back to school in January. So all of a sudden, the property in Spain comes a little bit further down the list. So we tend to get the, you know, the really serious clients over in sort of late Jan, early Feb. And then that sales season, if you like, continues then up until probably Easter time. So you normally get two or three months of it. I think what we've seen this year, which has kind, kind of skewed all the figures, is that we had that big burst, didn't we, in the, in the summer, really, where we had a lot of people from a lot of countries with a lot of money descending on this place. And, and buying it. And what we've seen since then is the summer or the high season has extended itself into quarter three and quarter four. Hotels are booked out. You can't get a game of golf anywhere at the moment, completely booked. You can't get a hire car now until January. So, you know, it, it's that high season has just extended. So it's really weird to predict. I know I sound like a politician here, aren't I? I should be on Andrew Marr. But I think quarter one will just continue with a little drop off, as I say, December, January, but then it'll pick up again. Um, but I don't think we're going to have a glut because I think that glut or that, that latent demand has now been satisfied. But I do think that the fundamentals are still there for it to continue on an upwards trajectory. So the final question to do with this, the, because we did see this boom mm. in the summer. It was a little mini boom, yeah. yeah. And we also saw as a consequence of that in some of the prime areas in the higher end, mm. a lot of the stock diminish, yeah. even in the middle and low end from what I'm told. Yeah in key areas. So where we're coming into 2022 with less stock than we started, for yep, want of a better sure. word, yep. how do you see that affecting prices for buyers into, into quarter one, quarter two, and into next year? The thing is, it's putting, it's putting pressure, upwards pressure on, on prices in key areas. So what we're seeing is, I mean, Puente Romano is a great example. You know, everybody wants to be near the Puente Romano because it's a fantastic hotel. It's got loads of facilities. It's on a great beach, promenade, Marbella one side, Puerto Banus the other side. So it's fantastic. Who wouldn't want to be there? But now we've got apartments going for sale for over 10 million euros. Yeah. Where does it stop? It's, yeah. it's, it's become a, a, a kind of Mayfair kind of market, you know? And the people with serious money where 10 million is a drop in the ocean will probably just come along and buy that. And we're talking people with a lot of money who can just drop 10 million like that. They've probably got 50 or 100 million, you know, to drop, just drop that amount of money on an apartment. But yeah, we, we've noticed a, a shortage of stock. I, I think that if people are determined to be in the best areas, then they're going to have to pay more money because of you know, supply and demand issues. Or they wait and they build something. But then the trade-off is time. Do people want to wait? So I think in the best areas, yeah, we're going to have a, a, a problem and people are going to have a decision to make. So they have, something has to give. Do they either join the party and maybe pay more than what they were hoping to pay? Do they wait and maybe just wait for the market to cool, if it cools, or are they just gonna miss out? Or do they compromise on something like location or size? You know, Do they go maybe to location B rather than their A location and pay what they want to pay? Or do they downgrade by having one less bedroom or maybe not the view they wanted to be able to satisfy their budget rather than overspending? So there's decisions to be made. and. You know, I'm a firm believer that every property purchase anywhere in the world, there's a degree of compromise. You know, this, this place here, it's, you know, there's things that I, that drive me mad about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, 
I'm a believer that you can't tick 10 out of 10 boxes. And I always say to people when I first meet them to clients, I say, look, if we end up ticking seven or eight out of your 10, like one to haves, then we're doing really well. But there's always got to be compromise. So, so you see a scenario where next year, the com that compromise may well be in a, the precise location that mm -hmm. they're looking for, mm -hmm. if they want to pay what they were hoping to pay. For instance, like if people, they might have a, an A-list of, I don't know, Zagaleta, Madrenal, Marbella Club Golf Resort, and they end up being priced out of that market and may end up going to a place like La Alcaria, which is in Ben Avis. It's beautiful, it's up and coming. There's a lot of expensive properties there, but that might have been on people's B list, but that might now become an A zone, you know? And the more people with, with money and means who are investing in that area and the more quality properties that are being built and, and owned, then that place starts to, to go from a B to an A. So, you know, there's always little subtle movements like that that, that people, people don't see on paper. Los Flamingos is another one, Monte Mayor. You know, there's places where you can find value, but there's always a compromise. You know, you can't get something for nothing. And that's the, that's the thing that people have to realize. And do you know what, there's, there's compromise at every budget. It doesn't matter whether you've got 100,000 or 100 million, you, you never find the perfect house. There's always something. And even if you build it yourself to your own specification, that still involves a degree of pain. So I always say to clients that whatever budget, just because you've got a load of money doesn't mean to say that you can have everything you want. And most people understand that. Thank you very much, Sean. It's, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. And let's see if our crystal balls pan out to uh, be right next absolutely. year. Absolutely.